I was, you know, trying to do it all and I couldn't do it. And I think, you know, as as parents as a whole of any age group, guilt, you know, guilt is huge and we have to let some of that go. We have to be able to do what we can do to be able to bring it all together and make it all happen. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello again and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. So what are we talking about today? I thought it'd be a really good idea if we talked about, and possibly too, the mums-to-be. So I run a couple of programs, and one of them is a paediatric online practitioner mastery course. So we talk about young children and babies and how we can help the mothers and babies in clinic. It's a lot of learning from all of my past education um, in hospital, you know, in the neonatal unit, and then out in the community. And a lot of things come up a lot of the time, uh, you know, and a lot of us have been pregnant and had babies, and a lot of things come up, and a lot of things have been in the groups recently for mums to be, and things they just didn't know. So we actually discussed it as an opt-in or the use of an opt-in on people's sites, you know, because another program I run is how to create programs in practice. And again, I have a high contact time with um, the practitioners in the groups so that they can get these things up and running. But the when we talked about the opt-in, um, I, I sat down and I asked a few other people and we made up or I got a little bit of a list together of all of the things that I thought that bums ought to know. So part of my training to be a nurse many, many, many years ago now, um, we did, because I was in the UK, I, was, I trained in the NHS, and we had to, it's called catching babies, you had to catch quite a lot of babies. And um, so I spent a lot of time, the maternity part in the training was quite extensive and quite intensive. And um, I really loved it as well. But that's beside the point. So I thought, let's go through some of the things that our mothers don't, the mothers that come to see us don't necessarily know, or if we're pregnant, we don't know. And let's do some of those basics so that we can feel confident in practice with our clients. So number one, and the big one, is go with the flow. People write the most beautiful plans, birthing plans, and you have to give yourself some leeway or get them to give themselves some leeway within that plan because generally, oh, you, you know what it's like. You're driving somewhere and you have to get somewhere and on the way there's roadworks. Um, giving birth, there's definitely roadworks and things will be different to what you've written down. So you need to allow yourself that leeway within your plan to or within your client's plan to be able to go through those roadworks um, over those humps, maybe take a diversion and be okay with that. We all decide how we want to give birth. I've, I had two natural births, they were both very quick. Um, but I was lucky. That's not 
necessarily the way births occur. And we don't know until we've done it once what the others are possibly going to be like. And even then, they might be different. So, you know, first one might be fine, the second one a breach. So you end up having a section. There just needs to be that leeway in the plan so that you don't get um, really upset if it has to change and you can just go with the flow. Um, the partner. What, does, what are the partner's expectations of being in the room? What does the partner understand by their role of being in there? They can't, you know, they feel completely inadequate throughout the entire event and it makes some men angry and aggressive. It makes others, you know, really upset. It makes some worry. Some will faint. And so we have to talk to the partner and, the, you know, both partners have to talk together about expectations in the room. So I say to the men, the expectation of you is that you will do exactly as you're asked by your partner. The moment she asks you to do it, you won't wait, you won't deviate, you won't go off and get a cup of coffee if she says she wants ice. You will go and get ice. That's what you will do. Um, so that they're responding to the woman's needs immediately. And that's the only thing that I've really say to the men is you you have to do it now don't think I'll do it in a minute there's none of that it's now so because the woman once she goes into transition she has to she'll be in control and she has to know that that control is hers but it can be shared all right so there have to be discussions around what happens if things go disastrously wrong um you know who's going to if I get rushed to theatre um, who's going to look after the other kids at home uh, who's going to do what there has to be a level of control within all of that planning you know and your your own best advocate if you don't want to do something when you're in labor oh, you're just not going to do it and that's kind of okay so there is hypnobirthing there are you know you can have doulas you can have all sorts of different ways and systems and all sorts of things happening but at the end of the day you're your best advocate and you can ask questions and you can decide how things are going for you and who you want there and who you don't want there and if the in-laws want to be there and you don't want them there then you just say no and they might get upset about that but they'll get over it once the baby's there so you know, the, um, you have to be your own best advocate and you have to make sure your partner is on your side to support you in all those decisions. And maybe you have to discuss them, you know, the in-laws being there or maybe he doesn't want your mother there or something or other. So you need to be able to discuss those openly together or you get your clients to discuss those openly together. The other thing we need to do is pick your midwife. So the obstetrician will only be there for a very limited period of time. Um, they're there just to catch the baby the midwives will be going in and out of the room in and out of the room so if you decide to have a midwife birth or you're in a birthing center pick your midwife um, because you're going to be with that person for their full shift and it might be so with my son I was with one midwife all shift and then he had to go because he had an appointment so buying a house and he had to be at the lawyers so he wasn't there when I gave birth to my son it was another it was a shift change and I got the next midwife on so it's good to know all the midwives if you're in a birthing centre or whatever. It's good to know who the midwives are going to be because they're going to be there the whole time. Um, and now we get down to a little bit, oh no, maybe I'll switch to pain because pain is part of the process. Um, 
So we have to focus on the outcome and getting people to understand focusing on the outcome. And women, you can check how dilated you are yourself. It's very motivating and you'll understand what it looks like and what it feels like. It's very easy to find out how the ridge is meant to be, how wide you're meant to go, all of those things. And it's a really good way of feeling motivated oh you're two centimeters you're four centimeters you might even be able to feel the hair of the baby and so you know if your waters have broken so these things are really positive and they and they will help you to focus on the outcome and away from that pain the um you know that birth plan as beautiful as it is you might not follow it so don't worry about it too much take it with you and leave it on the side but let it go if you have to the um, One of the things that doesn't get talked about very much is bleeding post-birth. So it can go on for weeks, but please be aware that retained placenta can also be a cause. So although the placenta is checked when it's delivered, it's thoroughly checked to make sure it's all there, there can be a tiniest bit that's left. So don't be scared to ask about ongoing bleeding and don't be scared to ask your clients if they've got ongoing bleeding as well. The... Um, the other thing about the uterus is once you've given birth the um, and you start breastfeeding, the uterus starts like poinging back into shape. <laughs> so um, so it's painful. And the more children you have, the more painful it becomes with each subsequent child. And I didn't know what it was. So for my second child, I had no idea why I would have these ripper pains across my stomach when I was breastfeeding my daughter. And then I, I said to my mum, oh, God, I think I have to call someone. This is, you know, I'm in so much pain. And she said, oh, yeah, I remember that with you kids. Like, Thanks, Ma. Now you tell me. But but that's something that our clients need to be aware of. And if you happen to have, you know, if you happen to be pregnant right now and you're listening, then that's something that you should be aware of as well. The uterus wants to get back to its shape pretty quick. And it does that during breastfeeding because all those hormones are rocking and everything's happening at that point. The bonding. Bonding with your infant. Bonding takes time. Bonding isn't instantaneous. Um, and then if it... You know, it could be a little while, it could be a few days. If it goes on too long and you don't feel there's any bonding, then you might need to seek help because we could be heading here into postnatal depression or other issues. So seek help, but remember that bonding isn't as soon as the baby comes out, yay, you've got my baby. Um, that won't necessarily happen. It takes a little bit to really realize that this little object that's come out of you really is yours to keep. And, um, for a while it'll move out eventually but um, it is actually yours and it might take a little while to bond with it now the other thing is that we want to go through our clients and if you're a practitioner listening I hope you're a practitioner listening make sure that you know of a um, of a good lactation consultant or you know where you can seek one out because women do need support breastfeeding can be very hard and um, yeah I didn't find it hard but um, and also, I spent years with babies. Um, I'd done lactation training and all sorts. But when it came to my own child, yes, I can change a nappy faster than a speeding bullet. But I could not, for the life of me, burp him. And yet I've burped thousands, hundreds of babies um, that I fed during the day and other people's babies. I've always managed to burp, but I could not burp my own son. So breastfeeding is hard. 
birthing can be hard, everything to do with that new baby, because all bets are off, you know, that's suddenly it's all about them. It's not about you anymore. And that takes time to really settle in that you are the appendage and um, everyone's only interested in the baby and and the, the baby is only interested in the baby and you have to just concentrate on the baby and that's one of the hardest hardest lessons is figuring out that baby comes first and is baby and you know baby dominates everything because the baby blues are real they are very real and day three warn everyone about day three day three the hormones all dump and crash and change and every mother who remembers day three will go oh yeah that was the day I just cried for no reason all day so I was all prepared for day three I thought it won't happen to me yet happened to me and I knew all about day three so day three is a day that you need everybody to know about um cracked nipples so a simple trick my sister said to me when my nipples went, she said, when you get into the shower, have the water on your back. Don't have the water just constantly flowing down your front in the shower because that would just dry your nipples out even more. There's lots of lovely calendula creams out there. They do need wiping off after they've been used. And you can use nipple shields um, to protect your nipples if you need to. But the calendula creams have some already in that baby bag for when you've got that baby home from the hospital. And babies cry a lot. Babies cry a lot. They're not silent. Um, you know, there are studies that show that babies who are held a lot cry less than babies who aren't held a lot. But babies cry a lot, even when they're held. That's how they communicate, you know. And um, and so, and when they've got colic, they'll cry even more. And there's nothing you can do really about colic. You can reduce your cruciferous vegetables. So that can help. Um, but we don't really like to take any food out of the diet unless you really don't want to have you know you really can't have it in there so um, lots of people end up they take out gluten and they take out cow's milk and they take out this and they take out that and they end up having this really limited diet and really the only thing over the ages that has shown a difference is to mothers and midwives and um, in discussion is the cruciferous vegetables so your cauliflowers and things like that which make people fat anyway they're good for you so they make baby fat too so, you know, babies need to nap every 45 to 90 minutes for a decent nap. And there's a number of really good um, books, some tiny little cheap books, hospitals have books on how to wrap babies and how to get them down to nap, you know, every 45 to 90 minutes because day sleeps do control the night sleeps. Remembering with your day sleeps, you don't want the room too darkened. So you do establish, establish sorry, that night day Um lighting thing going on so I for my daughter she never slept in a darkened room in the daytime at all my son I would just pull down the blinds just simply because of where his room was but it wasn't dark in the room it that just shut out you know big sunshine so wrapping is great for baby's comfort I'm not a big one for dummies you know for soothers for sucking on things very oh, long 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 ago when I um Maybe it was when I trained in neonates. I remember reading an article about, um, so I can't find it now, and it's well past the 10-year marker to use as evidence for anything that you talk about. But um, 
one of the things in this article said was that children who use soothers and um, dummies had a higher chance of having ear infections, which I thought was a bit surprising because you'd think they'd be swallowing and sucking and swallowing and sucking. So they'd um, have fewer ear infections, but that wasn't what this article said. Obviously, that could easily have been disproved by now. But um, the thing about the thing that I notice about soothers and um, dummies, as they're called here, is the fact that you have to keep putting it back. So they actually become a bit of a bind if your child isn't self-soothing. Self-soothing is the way to go. If you've got to constantly put that dummy back, because remember they can't, they don't have that hand-eye coordination sorted, um, if you've got to keep putting that soother back into the mouth, then you've got another job to do. So I prefer to get children to learn to self-soothe rather than giving them soothers and dummies and things that they suck on. So um, now the other thing I just wanted to talk about was a bit more about pre-birth and that was making sure that your client or yourself, depending where you're at in your life, um, you've got your freezer full of food before you go in. That nesting time that you give yourself or that time that you, um, you've taken off before you go into hospital to have that baby, that is really to fill the freezer. That is really to cook all those foods and make sure those things are all happening. Maybe it's to organize um, you know, food deliveries. They could be foods that you're reheating. But that is quite hard when you first have that baby to be able to organize everything. Maybe your partner cooks and you're one of the lucky ones. But um, in our house, my husband does amazing scrambled eggs, but that's where it finishes. So uh, I do most of the cooking. And it does mean that when, you know, that first child, I was in a share house with my son. So there wasn't really a lot of space for me to do anything into the freezer, but I did manage some of it. And that made life just so much easier. So it's a really good idea to make sure that the freezer is full of food. And if your friend has had a baby, don't take them flowers, don't take them a baby grow, take them, um, you know, dinner for two, take them a lasagna or take them a sucker or take them a curry or something that they can both eat and they don't have to, um, you know, do anything more than heat it up. Because good, nutrient-dense food is what will support the recovery. You know, it reduces stress. Um, some of those, you know, the deep um, stews, obviously that's no good if you're in the middle of summer, in which case you'll be turning up with lighter, fresher salads and things like that. But nutrient-dense food is really going to help the recovery. Vitamin C to help with the um, the physical repair of the membranes and everywhere else. So, you know, the if you're going to go and visit someone or you need to pack that freezer or as the naturopath, herbalist, nutritionist, if you're the one who's, you know, helped bring that baby to happening and then into the world through all of your good work, then it's a meal at the end of it maybe. So because you don't need to love it all the parent doesn't need to love everything they do it's um you know some of the things you just do so I remember I would have um milk letdowns when I just I was writing a shopping list you know I think oh yeah nappies this that the other thing I tried to do cloth nappies but I was too exhausted to wash them and I just had to let that go I just had to go okay there isn't at the time this is 20 something years ago so it's 20 years ago um there weren't really any environmental options it was wash or 
by what's on the shelves. And I tried to wash. I was given cloth nappies and people warned me. They said, are you sure you're going to be able to do it? It's a lot of work. And I couldn't. I couldn't do it without the sleep. I was, you know, trying to do it all and I couldn't do it. And I think, you know, as as parents as a whole of any age group, guilt you know, guilt is huge and we have to let some of that go. We have to be able to do what we can do to be able to bring it all together and make it all happen. People say the weirdest, weirdest things. They say some really horrible things when you're pregnant. They might come out and tell you about their dreadful birthing experiences. And these are the things people don't need to know we've seen all the ones where people you know put their hand on the stomach of the pregnant person who's going excuse me I don't even know you and you just put your hand on my belly um so we've got all those things but people say weird stuff too and you've got to let that go comparisons you know when new mothers come to see you they're comparing they're comparing with things that just aren't real social media and children it's just not real um they're hard kids are hard it's another life another person and it's someone that in a way yeah you chose to get pregnant but you didn't choose that personality that child has is choosing their personality as they go on so things need time and you need time the client needs time and these are some of the little tidbits that you can share with your clients or perhaps make into an opt-in for your website for the mothers to be to help them out so that they don't feel so overwhelmed and they'll come back to see you. Because what do they have to do? They've got to believe in the journey and they've got to trust the outcome. So thank you so much for joining me today. Do make sure that you go and press share or like or check me out on all the other social media areas so I'd love to chat with you and find out what your journey has been like thanks so much for joining me today don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes if you'd like even more support and learning then the academy is for you here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice bye for now